We'll now read the text of the message this afternoon. It's Luke 24, verses 44 to 49. Just before the end of the Gospel of Luke, you can see that he has spoken to the men on the, the, the people on the way to Emmaus, and then he also then appears to his disciples. And then in verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, while we're We're finally together, pastor and his congregation, and what a lot of work. Emmanuel now has their own preacher and teacher. He's vowed to preach and teach what God reveals to us in his word. Although we waited a long time and did a lot of work to get him and his family here, we recognize that it was really God in his providence who decided that he should be here at this time. This is what we confess. God sends his ambassadors and heralds to whom he wants and where he wants. And this is all related to God's plan of salvation in Jesus Christ. In Luke 24, the Lord Jesus explains various and several times the, the connection between the scriptures and his work. On the day of his resurrection, our risen Savior explained to the two sad disciples who were on their way to Emmaus that his suffering and death were necessary. And if you look at verse 26 and again verse 27, he shows that it's necessary because that's what the Scripture said. And he explained what is said in the Scriptures about him. After that, the Lord Jesus appeared again to them. And it's not clear whether it was on that same day or or sometime later in the 40 days between his resurrection and ascension, you could see verse 36, it was in the period while they were still talking about this. This time, he needs to confirm his physical resurrection. Disciples were having trouble with that, and, and he shows he's not a ghost, that he had flesh and blood, and he shows this by referring again to the scriptures. And that's when we come into our text And we see in our text that he says everything must be fulfilled. And when he uses the word fulfilled uh, for the children, that means that it needs to to happen. What was said needs to to happen. We'll hear the word fulfilled several times this afternoon. And it means that what was said in the scriptures needs to come to pass. It needs to happen. And if we look at our text, then he refers to two time periods that, that need to be fulfilled. First of all, Everything that they had seen already, Jesus' suffering, Jesus' physical resurrection on the third day that that needed to be fulfilled, it was fulfilled. 
But he also talks about what they would do in the future. That too needed to be fulfilled. He says in verse 47 that that's the preaching in Christ's name. It's very significant. The Lord Jesus teaches that in the same way that his suffering and his resurrection were already prophesied in the Old Testament, so also his work in the preaching of repentance and forgiveness to all nations also was foretold in the Old Testament. It will happen. The installation of a new minister of the word here in Emmanuel is part of the fulfillment of all that scriptures teach concerning the work of Jesus Christ. We see Jesus Christ behind this work. The work of Christ on earth is done. He died, he rose, he ascended, he's, he's in heaven right now. But before he left, he explained that right now we're in another stage of his work. We're in the stage of preaching. We're in the age of preaching. That's the gospel I preached to you this afternoon. The risen Christ shows us that now is the time for preaching. And we'll see that this preaching is ordained by God, that it's centered on Christ, and that it's for all sinners. So we can see in our text today that the Lord Jesus is emphasizing that everything happens according to God's plan, which he revealed in the Scriptures. There's a relationship between the Scriptures and everything that, that happens in the world, including the life of Jesus Christ, who lived according to this plan, who did exactly what the Scriptures spoke about him. Our text makes it clear that the Lord Jesus understood the divine necessity that the Scriptures be fulfilled. It's a guarantee in this life. It's one of the, the certainties in this world. The Scriptures will be fulfilled. They're so dependable that, this, that besides revealing God's work in the past, we can also use the same Scriptures to see what we will be doing in the future. You see that Paul writes about that in the passage we read in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. What no, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, this will happen. He's talking about the future. That's why the Lord Jesus is actually reprimanding his disciples in this chapter. Since the scriptures talked about the suffering of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that he could enter into his glory... Our Lord calls these disciples on the road to Emmaus in verse 25. He calls them slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Since the scriptures spoke of a physical resurrection, they should not have thought that he was a ghost. And Jesus makes it clear that they would not have doubted and they would not have been confused if they would have paid attention to his words. It's the same with the preaching. God preordained the preaching and already revealed this in the Scriptures. The Lord Jesus saw that the Scriptures had pronounced that in His name repentance and forgiveness of sins would be preached to all nations. And now He has to help His disciples see this. 
His calling and the preparation of these witnesses is part of His task. And in our text, the Lord Jesus teaches the disciples what God ordained in the Scriptures about their preaching. We read in verse 45 then that the Lord Jesus had to open their minds. He opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. It doesn't mean to say that the the Bible is unclear, that the Scriptures are unclear. It doesn't mean to say that the words are hard to understand. But rather it is telling us once again that we are weak. We are incapable of seeing the truth because of our fallen nature. We read that also in 1 Corinthians 2. Fallen man needs the Holy Spirit in order to understand the Scriptures. And the word understand that is used here is found in Scripture as the opposite of hardened hearts or rebellion. The opposite of foolishness. The opposite of not listening. Unbelievers cannot understand the Scriptures because they don't care. Because they don't have the Spirit. But as we see in our text, and also even in the reading in 1 Corinthians, it happens that even the followers of Jesus Christ can be hindered in their understanding because they are being fooled or being maybe sucked in by the wisdom of the world, that the world's way of, of seeing things, so-called wisdom of the world. At other times, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we get confused because we have different expectations about what God is doing or what God should be doing in our lives. We often get mixed up expectations when we don't study the Bible regularly. We think God should be like this. And then when we see God himself in our lives, we, we can't even recognize it. And so we get sad when we should be happy. We get scared when we should be thankful. And all this because our expectations are in con conflict with the Spirit. We don't understand the Scriptures. And then we need to pray. We need to pray for humility. We need to pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit so that we are willing to accept what the Word of God says, to live by it. And that makes us think also about our own lives. Do you pray for this humility, for this open mind, this, this, the Spirit to guide you when you open the Scriptures? You realize how you need His guidance. It also happens that even when we understand what we are seeing or hearing in a very logical way, sometimes the message is just so wonderful that our joy and amazement hinder our understanding. That's what happened to the disciples. We see that in verse 41. There he was. They had the confirmation that he was in their midst. And it says, but, but while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. It's, sometimes that happens to us. We, we, we know what we're reading in scriptures. and We know what the minister is preaching to us, the gospel. But it's too good to be true. E eternity? It almost makes us start to doubt. No tears. No suffering. And when, when the, God talks about preaching, that he's going to use preaching, now is the time of preaching. We, we can even think, can God really use something so simple as preaching 
That's how he, he's going to work in our midst after the resurrection, the ascension of God, Christ. And once again, then, when we find it too, too good to be true, we need to pray. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit will open our hearts so that we can understand what the Scriptures say. The fact is that God will and God is using the preaching of repentance and forgiveness of sins. And we know this because that is what the Bible says. And so we see how the Lord Jesus, in his response to the doubts and, and the confusion of those around us, he shows us how much we can trust in the Scriptures. You have to see what the Gospel is telling us, what the Luke is telling us here. You can, you can picture it. You don't have to picture the form of the Lord Jesus. But here you have the Lord Jesus standing in the middle of this assembly of his disciples. And they don't believe it's really him. And he says, no, it's really me. Look at me. It's, it's me. You can, you can even touch me. And, and they still go, whoa, it's, it's true. But how can this be? And their joy and amazement made it, made it difficult. And so while the Lord Jesus was standing in their midst, he proved that he was standing in their midst by going to the Scriptures. It's amazing to see that. They know that if Scripture promises something, it will happen. It doesn't really make a difference if you can see it or not, but if the Bible says it, it is true. Even when you can't believe your eyes, when the promise is standing right there in your midst, the Gospel message is that you don't have to believe your eyes. God has given a stronger guarantee, has given his word. The disciples don't have to believe their eyes. They had to believe in God. They had to believe in his word. They had to believe that God was moving on in his revealed plan of salvation. They had to believe the scriptures in which God ordained that after Christ's victory, they would be the first to go out and preach as witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ. They had to participate in his plan. And what was true for the first witnesses is also true for us. God ordained that there will be preaching of repentance and forgiveness of sins until Christ's return. God's grace to each one of us, God's grace to the world is overwhelming. We love that gracious message. We love that God says there will be preaching. And we want to be instruments in our Savior's hands. We want to be a, a faithful church that participates fully in God's plan. And so we respond with thankfulness. We respond in love. We talked about it, all the work it takes to get another minister here on the pulpit. But even as we, we call him and we have him installed in our midst, we understand that really this is Christ's work. It's the fulfillment of what God has ordained in the past. And what an important task we have as church in this crumbling world. Let us be faithful in prayer, not only remembering as our, our task as a church, but, but also specifically that our minister may be a worthy instrument, in, that he may be a worthy instrument, a faithful ambassador, and a joyful herald of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because preaching also needs to be Christ-centered. What should we expect to hear from the pulpit? Well, the Lord Jesus summarizes that. This morning we heard in Mark, he said, the good news. 
And now in Luke, we read again, he says that this preaching will be repentance and forgiveness of sins in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. How is it, pro- how is it possible to, to go around promising the nations that if they repent, they will be forgiven? How can we have the, the courage to say that? Think about that for a moment because we do know that God will not forgive the sins of every single person. We know that there is no way to the Father except through Jesus Christ, and there is no way to Jesus Christ if we do not repent, and no one will repent without the knowledge that comes from the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, that they are sinful and that they need God's grace. So to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins We need to preach Christ. And to preach Christ, we need to preach all scriptures. You see that in verse 44. The Lord Jesus Christ uses the Jewish method of dividing the Old Testament into three main parts. And you can grab your Bibles. You can separate Matthew from Malachi. So you have the whole Old Testament in front of you. And we'll see how this division works. First of all, he talks about the law. So if you take your Bibles in your hand and you hold together Genesis all the way to the end of Deuteronomy, that's the law of Moses in the Jewish division. That's all the parts that Moses wrote or put together. That's the first part that the Lord Jesus refers to. The second section that he refers to is called the prophets. And this part includes Joshua, so the book right after uh, Deuteronomy all the way through to Chronicles, and then Isaiah, all the way through to Malachi. So we have another big section in the middle, and then another one near the end of the Old Testament. It's all the prophets in the Jewish division of Scripture. So now we're all the way through here, and we have a few books in the middle. And so what does the Lord Jesus say also? He says the Psalms. Now the Psalms is the biggest book in the third section called the writings. So we have the law, the prophets, and the writings. And if the Lord Jesus is referring to just the Psalms, or perhaps to all that third section, the writings, the point is is very clear. If you take your Bible and you hold up the law, the prophets, and the writings, you have the whole Testament, and the Lord Jesus says that this whole part speaks about Him. You want to preach Christ, you better know that first part of Scripture. And although one could argue that not every passage talks directly about Jesus Christ, we can know that all of the Scriptures reveal the unfolding of the history of the triune God in His relationship to the world and to His chosen people in the church. The Son of God who took upon Himself the true human nature, He's in the center of God's plan of salvation. He is our Savior. He is the center of all preaching. He is the center of all preaching about repentance and forgiveness of sins. And just like the witnesses, Peter and Paul, we have the apostles' writings and sermons. We look at the Old Testament with New Testament eyes. We can see how God was announcing that gospel of salvation from all those three parts, the law, That's Genesis to Deuteronomy. What does God reveal about Jesus Christ there? Well, your mind is starting to think, well, he reveals his power, creation. 
He reveals the covenant that God is working through the faithful fathers and mothers, parents and, and their children. We could even see that again today, how the Lord is working through the covenant with covenant promises for the children. We could see how God announced the liberation from slavery, the sacrifices, the idea of God with us, Emmanuel. We could see God working in the priest, God and his laws about how to be thankful. In the prophets, we have the announcements of the anointed king. We can see how the prophets applied the law in the lives of the church. We can see the promises and the curses of the covenant. We can see the preparation for the land and, and the lineage of the Messiah. We can see the promise of restoration in God's grace. And in the Psalms, we see that they say that every Psalm, all the doctrines of, of the church can be found already in the Psalms. Paul, who taught and argued extensively from the revelation of the Old Testament, what did he say? He said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In Christ, we have access to the throne of grace through the path of repentance, which leads to the forgiveness of sins. Preaching in the church focuses on this gospel. We want to get that message out there. Not just the minister, the whole church. Repentance and forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. And I can show that to you from any book in the Old Testament. It's pointing to Christ. That's the message. And we have more than, than the disciples had just at that time. We have more than just the prophecies from the Old Testament. We have the confirmation of Christ's work on earth. From the witnesses that the Lord Jesus calls together in our text. He's gathering around him witnesses. Those are eyewitnesses, people who have seen Jesus before his death and then again after his resurrection. He, he sends them out. He clothes them, we read, with, with power from on high so that they are able to serve as instruments to record those facts written down. You see how the Lord Jesus standing there, the risen Christ, is preparing all things for the church so that after we would be focused on that preaching, the preaching of repentance and forgiveness of sins. And so what do we have today? We also have the whole New Testament, the witnesses, they wrote it down. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then we have the description and the acts. We have the apostles and, and, and the other uh, evangelist explaining and putting together what it means. What's that gospel that we're preaching? And the preacher today who has this word of God, who expounds this word of God, will preach Christ in the world today. And so will be fulfilling what God ordained already in the Old Testament. The risen Christ, he shows us, he, he urges us to see that now is the time for preaching. And as a preacher stands in the pulpit with the Bible open, he has the necessity, sorry, he has the responsibility not only to speak about Christ Jesus and not only to imitate Christ Jesus, but also to represent Christ Jesus. We heard a little bit about that this morning as, as an ambassador, as a herald of the great king. So the, the ministers of the word today, we, they, they preach in His name, that's what the Lord Jesus said, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name. We don't preach in our own names. Paul makes that very clear. It doesn't really matter who you are 
as a, as a person, as, as a man. What's important is that you're faithful to what Jesus says, the Lord Jesus. It is Christ the Lord working through the preaching of his humble servants. And that's what makes preaching authoritative. Not the personality, not the skills, not the opinions of the minister. We have to have that, that vision of Revelation 1 in our minds, even as we hear the preaching where you have the great, mighty Lord Jesus Christ, and he's described in Revelation 1, and there he is, the mighty one, and he's holding the churches in his hand, and he's speaking to each one of the churches through his angel, which is his messenger. He speaks to each church through his messenger. And so preachers are speaking in the name of Christ. And so their message is, is real. It's real urgent. It's compassionate. Because it comes from the one who died to pay for your sins. It's important to pay close attention to how the Lord Jesus talks about this ongoing work of Christ through his witnesses and through the church. You, you notice that the Lord Jesus chose the word preaching Again, we could see the, the connection with the message this morning. That's, that's an action verb. That's what is often referred to many times in, in the New Testament. But he uses this word. He doesn't use the word speeches or, or, or lectures. And those two should never be confused. Although it's possible to learn something both from lectures and from sermons, the purpose of preaching is to bring understanding of the Scriptures in order to call to repentance and to comfort with the promise of the forgiveness of sins. And that has something to say to you as well. When you come to church, what should you expect? You should expect that call and that comfort. Preaching. We do not come to church just to learn something new about God. We may not even hear anything that we didn't know before, anything new. And if we talk to our children and our young people like that, go to church to learn about God as if that's the only place, that that's what the sermon is for. It, it sounds a lot like school. It's not very desirable all the time. We don't come to church like, like so many application hunters want to get some practical tips on the Christian life as if we're not really that bad Things are going well. You go to church, you, you get some tips on how you can, you can do things a little better. But we come to church because God in His grace has brought us sinners together by the Holy Spirit to speak to us. To speak to us through His messenger. To call us to repentance, to correct, instruct, exhort, to comfort with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to urge us to continue to fight against sins, to remain in Christ. Preaching is, is way more than just some guy talking about the Good Shepherd, but it is the Good Shepherd's voice speaking to, to weak and struggling sheep who constantly forget what he has done. You need to pay attention in the preaching. Because it is Christ Jesus speaking to you through his messengers about his work. And it's a gracious message. 
It's the most wonderful thing we can hear. In fact, we can actually we can say that it's the triune God. The triune God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is behind the preaching, who is working in the hearts of sinners through the very act of preaching. When our minds are open, we will often see it. We will see that preaching brings what it announces. Preaching brings what it announces. It announces repentance and forgiveness of sins. And through the preaching, God leads us to repent and to celebrate in that forgiveness of sins. Repentance is a change of mind and a change of heart. It's not only deciding, okay, the minister said it, now it's time to change. But repentance is also desiring God, seeking Christ as your Savior. The preaching calls you to be reconciled to God. Promises repentance and forgiveness of sins. The Lord Jesus explains that after his resurrection, the preaching must be directed to sinners from from all nations. You see that he says, beginning in Jerusalem. In the Old Testament, everybody would go to Jerusalem, would go to the temple to hear, to see the gospel, to see the sacrifices, to to see God dwelling in the midst of his people. But now, after his resurrection and already pointing to Pentecost, the Lord Jesus says, you're going to begin in Jerusalem. And then you're going to go out. You're going to go out into the world. Because that message of repentance and forgiveness of sins is, is for all sinners. All men everywhere are inclined to evil. All all men everywhere deserve God's wrath. And yet, all men everywhere can experience grace in Christ Jesus. And so we go, we preach, and the stubborn sinner sees the Lord Jesus as as a powerful and holy judge who will reward him according to what he has done. But the sinner who repents we'll see the Lord Jesus as a gracious God, a God who forgives our sins, who who restores us to fellowship with Him. And brothers and sisters, visitors here with us this afternoon, hear hear the word of the Lord. Hear what the church proclaims. Even if you have messed up, there is a way back to God's throne. There is a way to to. Be, remain in his kingdom in Jesus Christ. It means humility. It means submission to his word. It means trusting completely in Jesus Christ. But there is forgiveness. And there is eternal life in God. And these are not merely the words of just another preacher on our pulpit. But these are the words of our God who promises life in Jesus Christ to us sinners through his word and through the preaching of that word that he ordained so long ago. And by God's grace, you today can also hear the call to repentance. You can hear the comfort of forgiveness of sins here in the Emmanuel Canadian Reformed Church. That's an amazing thing to think about because you are actually participating in the blessing that Christ promised way back when, when he spoke to his disciples in our text. And you're participating in the same thing that the believers heard on the day of Pentecost. And we'll end with this. Open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 2. 
Acts chapter 2. So the Lord Jesus, we'll give the context while you're finding it, the Lord Jesus is, is sending out the witnesses to go. And now who, who was hearing that? Well, Peter was one of the disciples, one of the apostles who, who the Lord Jesus sent out. So he had to wait for the, being clothed with power from on high. The Holy Spirit comes and he receives the Spirit and then there he goes. He's a witness. Now look at his sermon, Acts chapter 2. And you start at verse 16. You can see... How his sermon begins. He begins by preaching Christ. How? He looks at the Old Testament. You see that? The prophet Joel. He begins with the Old Testament showing that Joel prophesied that the Spirit would be poured out on all men. So he, he, he's, he knows what God said. It's going to happen. That's why it's happening. And then if you look at verses 22 to, to 31, obviously you, you probably should read it at home again. But here he talks about God's plan for Jesus' suffering. And then he talks about God's, uh, about God prophesying the Lord Jesus' resurrection, and he quotes Psalm 16. And you can even see that he talks about David, the prophet, who saw what was ahead. And then if you continue on, you see verses 32 to 36, he confirms the apostles' roles as witnesses to the resurrection. And the glory of Christ that was foretold in the Old Testament. It's exactly the pattern we have in our text. The Old Testament speaks of him. The Psalms speak of him. We have the witnesses speaking of him. And then finally, how does he end his sermon? Verses 37 to 40. Well, he knows that he is preaching to sinners. He knows that he is preaching to those who are, are slow to understand he knows that he is preaching to those who are so easily distracted by the world and other expectations. He sees that the word of Christ cut them to the heart and that they were seeking an appropriate response. And then he says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And if you do the same, you could see Paul doing the same thing in Acts 13. You can see that at home. The Old Testament. And then he goes to show God's plan. And then he shows that the witnesses say it and he ends, repent and receive the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. The preaching is different than a lecture because it brings you to response. You need to respond. You too, as members of the church, you who love the gospel, you need to respond to the preaching Every time you hear it, you will either reject the gospel of Jesus Christ and continue in your old ways, or you will embrace that gospel. Even if it's just that one more time, you will celebrate Christ's work in every part of your life. You will, you will fight against the distractions that the evil one offers. You will live as a faithful savior, uh, as a faithful soldier in the kingdom of God as you raise your family, as you do your work, as you worship your Lord. The preaching requires a response. Now why was it so important to get a minister on this pulpit here again? Because God speaks to the world through the preaching. He speaks to us through the preaching. And we all need that word. 
May God grant me the strength I need to be a faithful messenger in this congregation and in this city. May the Holy Spirit open all our minds to receive the preaching with open hearts. And may this prayer and this desire be repeated many times during the week in your homes. Amen. Let's now respond singing Psalm 78, stanzas 3 and 4. Almighty God, Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before your throne of grace. We realize, O Lord, what a privileged position we have. We may hear the preaching of repentance and forgiveness of sins. We may hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We may know who you are while we hold holy scriptures 
in our hands. We may know that everything spoken will be fulfilled, has been fulfilled in Christ. We thank you, Father, that we may be together as minister and congregation. We thank you for the installation this morning, and we pray, O Lord, that you will bless our new minister with, with all that he needs to be faithful in his task, that you will bless each one of us as members of this congregation, that we may faithfully uh, also submit ourselves to your word, that we may embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ with thanksgiving, that we may apply this gospel in every part of our lives. We pray, Father, for this week. You help us in our tasks, whether we are uh, studying Especially we think, Lord, of those who have exams this week in the universities. Also, we pray for all those who are studying in the schools and their homes, that you will bless them and help them to do this to your glory. We ask, Father, that you will bless all the families in our midst, that you will give the fathers wisdom and courage to lead the family in your word and your truth, that you will be with wives and mothers as well in their task supporting husbands and raising their children. We pray, Lord, that all together we may glorify you in our homes. We pray, Lord, for the, those who are single, that you also give them wisdom and insight in their task. We ask that you will fill their hearts and their lives with joy as they serve you in their task and calling in the world, in this church. We pray, Father, for our young people. We know that in today's world that often there are many distractions that seek to draw their attention away from your word, from something so simple as preaching. And Lord, we pray that you will bless them, that you will work powerfully in their hearts by your word, by your spirit. We pray, Father, for the communion of saints. We ask that we may live before you with great joy, with great love. We ask, Father, that you will also bless now our offering, that it may be used to serve the furtherance of your kingdom. We ask all this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You now have an opportunity to give your thank offering.